What do you call a cow with only two right legs? Anyway, here we are, sat on the weekly sofa. There's just me once more, but I've caught up with Farmer Phil and he's going to explain all the bits and bobs about whether or not we eat bulls, calves, heifers, steers, old cows, new cows, young cows, whatever. So straight into the interview with Farmer Phil, clearing up the question from Wiggly HQ. What meat do we eat? Miss Nicole says... No bulls. She's sure we don't eat bulls. Mrs. Dow says she doesn't think we eat cows. Here we are, Farmer Phil. Farmer Phil, I'd like you to clear up a small wiggly mystery. Yesterday, in the office, as we were discussing your new beef scheme, dear listener, if you want Farmer Phil's beef and you don't live in outer Mongolia, all you need to go is onto our website and then you can reserve your beef, you can buy it, and then when the beast is killed and hung and it's ready and after 21 days you'll get it it'll probably be dispatched on Thursday and it'll arrive to you on a Friday, that's about it, isn't it Farmer Phil? Can do. What they said was, hmm why is Farmer Phil in the catalogue with a cow? Because you don't eat girls Then Nicole said, well, I thought you didn't eat bulls. So can you please explain the story of whether you eat cows, bulls, heifers, bullocks or steers? Well. (laughs) Is it easy? uh, It's no problem at all. It's a case of the birds and the bees. Oh. So for those uninitiated amongst you, when a cow and a bull get together they produce either a heifer or a bull calf. And the heifer or the bull calf are the ones that you eat. So you have your herd of cows that you kind of keep and you get to know, and generally they don't get eaten. They're the mums, so you know Abigail, you know number whatever it is. They are your herd. Yeah. So you look after them, you know them, you love them, or whatever farmers do. (laughs) And come... The day of reckoning, they go and you don't eat them. I wouldn't eat them personally. Now that the is there like cow mutton? Well, what they go for is usually for processing. So that at that end of the meat scale, if you like, you have at the bottom of what is saleable is pet food, right? And then you go into what's called processing meat. So meat that goes into pies and low-grade mints and <laughs> things like that. So, but the point of the cow is not to eat. The point of the cow is to breed to the through farmer, the years. To the farmer of, of our single suckler type cattle, the cow is there to produce the calf, which is the bit that we sell as prime beef to eat. Okay, so the cow would live for how many years, roughly? Well, we've just been pregnancy testing some of our cattle in the last couple of weeks, and I'm pleased to say that I have one cow who will be 20 years old this year, and she's just PD'd in calf again, of which I was very pleased, because she didn't have a calf last year, and I gave her the benefit of the doubt. And she's got no arthritis, she's very happy... And at 20 years old, that is a very old cow. Okay, so you've got these cows and they're your herd and they generally are culled when they can do no more for the farm or for themselves. That's right. Usually there are two reasons for culling a cow. Either that she gets overtaken by arthritis 
which is something that we can't stave off. You could lose her for other disease-related problems, but the other most common cause is that she just stops breeding and yeah. you can't get her in calf. OK. Moving on to the bull. So here is your testosterone-driven nutcase rampaging around the place, That's a pretty climbing good, all over women. That's a pretty good description what? of them, yeah. <laughs> so how old is he? Well, he is governed by the same things, really. Good is as good does. So if he can't get it up, he's out. That's right. So the, the, the two ways that a bull breaks <laughs> oh, dear, down are uh, usually arthritis is the thing that, that attacks them. Um, occasionally you'll have one breakdown, which basically means for whatever reason, either physical or internal, he either becomes infertile or incapable. And those two reasons, fairly obviously, if you've got a bull that doesn't work, then that's not much use to you. So how old is he when... And, and presumably he goes in the food chain as this He will sort go, of process- yeah, as this processing yeah. uh, pet food type yeah. sort of animal. How old would he live to then? It does vary. Bulls seem more prone to getting arthritis than cows do. They don't seem to last as long as some of the oldest cows. But if you get to a bull to sort of 12 or 13 I, th- I consider you're doing quite well because they're big heavy animals and, and that's the problem scumbling around all summer on cows and mucking about they are prone to injury you know you can have problems with stifles and things like that what's a stifle? so that's a joint in its back leg that you can get problem we lost one some years ago who managed to dislocate his stifle which is a problem that we can't Overcome, And that's because cows don't do it lying down. Cows do it stood up. And the basic thing is he has to have two good back legs. To, exactly right. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. That's how it? it is. And, uh, you know, a bull, a big bull can weigh over a tonne. And to get a tonne mobile requires quite a lot of energy. Really? It's like women in stilettos, big women in stilettos, because all that weight goes down through your body onto those pins. Precisely so. And mm. that, of course, is the other thing that bulls must have, is good feet. Yeah. Because a lame bull won't work. I also suppose it affects his performance if it's muddy. Because I remember going in high heels to the truck racing once and if you remember the hill was full of women stuck in high heels <laughs> it does i mean we've got fields that are on steep banks we don't tend to put older cows or larger bulls on for obvious reasons yeah. you want more agile animals on the on the going which is less um, amenable on and the other cool. hand if he got on the uphill and she was on the downhill Ah, well, then you're getting into the attitude of certain bulls. So Penguin, for example, uh, just because he is what he is, there are times when Penguin doesn't seem to bother whether they're on bullying or not. But if he sees an opportunity, they may have to have it. I see. And uh, that that usually, and it doesn't happen out in the field, but in the yard, when they come in to feed, then he can get them in a (laughs) position where they can't escape. Uh, so anyway, going back to the Wiggly HQ um, dilemma. So do we eat bulls, calves, heifers, uh, bullocks, steers? In our case, we're producing heifers and bulls because we leave them entire. So, so they still cast- have... We don't castrate them, um, but we're only eating the calves. So that we, we would eat a heifer calf when she gets to about two years old and we would eat a bull calf when he gets to about 14 months old. Why is it a different time frame? Well, the, because the bulls are entire, they grow quicker, and also you, if you leave them go too long, 
that you get the meat gets tainted because they're bulls. So it's a, it's a bit of a quid pro quo. You can castrate them and fatten them longer and slower, or you can leave them entire, but you have to slaughter them sooner. So their meat gets tainted by what? The hormones that go together with, as they become breedable and all they think about is cows, then the meat goes darker and it can get quite a strong taste to it. Mm, um, like pigs do yeah, that? Yeah, a lot of animals do it. It's just a, a decision you take. I mean, handling the bulls can be quite exciting because they're quite boisterous. Yeah. But then again, if you have a steer which is approaching, you know, so a castrated bull who's approaching two years old, that can be a very big animal. They equally can be quite boisterous, and it's just a question of which route you take. So, in the winter, the cow has the calf. Well, in the spring, in our case, yeah. Yeah. But inside, yes. Yeah, inside, so they're fed and all's fine. Then the idea is that they go out to grass through the the summer. Yeah, cow and its calf are turned out to grass during the summer. So the calf has a mixture of milk from its mum and fresh grass. Yeah. And that, that is going to make it taste better? or It'll that make is it taste it... better and grow better. That is the ideal combination for a growing calf. Yeah. There's none better. Okay, and then it goes back in, in the... In the autumn time, so now, end of October, beginning of November, we'll wean the calf, so we separate the calf from its mother, about six months old, they're about, about 300 kilos, perhaps a bit more, and the calf then will be inside for the winter time will be fed depending on if it's a heifer it'll be fed on silage or hay probably some roots maybe a little bit of cereals spuds spuds perhaps you know whatever's available in terms of making up a ration that's not designed to necessarily fatten it but is designed to sustain it and allow it to grow over the winter time and then in the spring the heifers will be turned out onto grass and they will then be essentially fattened over that so anything that comes fat during that summer might go but then at the end of the summer they will be more or less fat and they will then go over a period of time probably over the next couple of months sort of the beginning of the winter so that as they're approaching their second birthday depends a bit on what their breeding is the angus or hereford crosses would go earlier than the charolais because they would come fat do you keep so, weighing them then to know when to go, or do you no, just look a, at them and go? You look at them. It's an experience ah. thing. Will's much better at it than I am, and it, and his dad Michael had years of experience doing. So you kind of go, yeah. It's that one's it's really judging good. the layer of fat on the animal, yeah, because they don't want them over fat. It's a combination of that and the overall size of the animal. Whether you think you can make it grow anymore, or is it just going to put on more fat? When the animal is slaughtered, you get given a grade, which is based in two halves, so there's confirmation and there is fat depth. Now, if you get a fat depth, you're aiming at three to four out of a scale of one to five in terms of fat depth. You know that you've maximised that animal because if it goes fatter than that, you'll get penalised, and if it's thinner than that, you could have had more meat on it. be interesting to see if farmers' wives make the grade you know how they sort of well, confirmation yeah. of farmers I'm all for that <laughs> I know one or two other farmers who'd be all for that as well now what about the bull then because the bull gets a shorter life because he only gets he gets a shorter months. life so that he will spend again his first summer with his mother out at grass yeah um, with his mother's milk and grass so he'll be weaned at the same time so that he's now six months old 
weaned, he'll come in, he'll get fed a mixture of a cereal-based ration as much as he wants. You get them onto that slowly over a period of a couple of weeks, but then you get it so they eat as much as they want of that. And that will be bolstered by silage or hay or possibly straw, or they'll be offered all, all three of those things. Again, they can eat as much as they want. And the idea then will be that they come fat in spring, so that as they go past their first birthday, they will then be fat enough and large enough to send. They don't survive, if you like, until the second summer. There's two reasons for that. One is obviously if they're fat and of a size, then there's no point. And also, being bulls, we come back to the bull taint. The supermarkets in particular, they have rules that you, you're not, you can't sell a supermarket meat after it's 14 months old, I think, maybe 16. So the answer is, we don't eat cows, we don't eat performing bulls, but we do eat young cows, heifers, and we do eat young bulls, which aren't steers. That's right. They're not steers. Steers are bulls. Steers are castrated bulls. So we eat male and female, and always under roughly two years old. Exactly. And the only time that we eat anything older than that is if we have pies, burgers, things like that. That's made out of processing meat, which may include cold cows. Thank you very much, Farmer Phil. Another Wiggly Mystery cleared up. Rach, as you know, dear listener, went off to the Gambia and found out all sorts of things. And uh, we've learnt a lot. And in this year's catalogue, you can buy a few things that will benefit Concern Universal too. And we're hoping to have a launch party in a couple of weeks where Rach is going to give a presentation. Woo, it's for the great and the good. So don't know if you'll be invited, dear listener. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, the thing is, here's Rach when she goes to the Concern Universal office and visits the rooftop gardens. Okay, now we are at the oh, indeed, CU, office. Office. CU office. We're in the CU office micro gardens, and I've been joined by Bintu. Bintu. What's your full name, Bintu? My name is Mrs. Bintu Jaite. I work for Gambia is Good as a production manager, okay. responsible for communication between the field and the market, and then also work part time for micro garden. Okay. Project, yes. Lovely. Now this is of particular interest to our customers because at Wiggly Wigglers we um, produced a micro garden certificate mm. which our customers purchased mm. and we raised I think it's in the region of just about £700 for the micro garden project. So can be as I'm really appreciate it because the work is because of them. The work, yes, yes. The result of this work is because of them. So, and we have a lot of partners, and we have beneficiaries. And the paper document I'm going to read for you, yeah. I'll give you one way you go and show them. Okay. So, the history of this micro garden technology is mainly based on 10.05 millimeter wood table, and therefore can be installed everywhere. Land is an issue in peri-urban and urban, and even in some of rural areas. The technology can be installed everywhere in household compounds, even in trees and balconies, to replace land. In addition, the reduced area of the table, a few meters square, is compensated by the high yield expected. This is a crucial advantage in, in built-up areas. This can also sometimes be an issue in rural areas where farmers, particular women, have not 
yet uh, secure or acquire ownership rights over the land they cultivate and so remain reluctant to invest in inputs and plant crops whilst there remains a risk of their land being taken away from them. Microgardening involves far less physical labor than conventional gardening due to the process involved. As a result, people with different handicaps, disabled, and even old persons, people living with HIV and AIDS, can be involved yeah, in it. Yeah, I suppose because this is a raised um, bed, uh, disabled people and older people find it abuse too. Yes, Thanks. and then they can use it. And where we are, I'm going to take you from here is a place where we have people living with HIV and AIDS, mainly women, working on micro garden. Oh, and that is wonderful. one of the many. And I want you to go around and then see, and then from here I get, take you to the uh, counterparts. Brilliant. Okay, yes. well we'll uh, make our way over to the micro garden project uh-huh. and um, do, maybe do a little bit of a recording from there too. Okay, thank, thank you, you very much. You're welcome. Okay, well, we've just driven down the road a couple of miles from the CU office and um, we've been to see the micro gardens in action on a rooftop. But we have come inside a little bit because a gentleman next door has just started up his welder. So we're going to have a chat with Binto again and also a, a lady that is, well, I'll, I'll let her pronounce her name and what her job title is here. So hello and who are you and what do you do? Okay, Oli um, Jaju. I am the coordinator of Motapola. So Mutapola is a network of women living with HIV and AIDS in the Gambia. We are a partnership with Concern Universal, so they bring this project to us for, so that it will have a benefit from that project. Excellent. And we're going to go back to Bintu now, because Bintu, um, you've got some more information for us on the project and its main achievements after the project started two years ago. Is that correct? Yes. <clears throat> That's, we have 29 trainers. 690 farmers directly trained. We have 3,000 beneficiaries. We have local production more consistent, boosted from 55 percent in 2005 to over 70 percent in 2008, and imports reduced. Farmers' income from GIC boosted to 2.7 million distributed to farmers in 2008, versus 7,000 for imports as compared to. 50-50 in 2005. That is a good impact of this uh, micro garden. That is a very good impact. Mm. Yes. And, and in fact, we are growing vegetables we didn't know before, like coriander, like uh, broccoli, like persil, like most of these things we are not grown before here. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they are growing in this micro garden, which are very vital to our health. So when they grow it, they use it, utilize it within their families. That is that will boost their health. And also income-wise, when they sell it, they will have money. And then, and, and then growing it throughout the year is the most important thing in this project. Brilliant. Yes. And land also, as, as I rightly told you before, that acquiring land is not easy in these urban and peri-urban areas. So if you have a story building like this, you don't have a land down, you can just grow it up. Yes. You are not using any land. Absolutely. And you are farming. Yes. And when you farm, you farm clean. And the water is recycled. You don't use that much water. No. During the dry season, during the rainy season, you have water from the rain, and you take that water also and then put it back, recycle it. Yes, the project is a wonderful project. Mm. It's an ongoing project, mm. and um, I know that you've had 
great results so far from it. So I'm really pleased that Wiggly Wigglers was able to contribute to it. And I'd like to thank you for um, sharing the podcast for them. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. We are looking forward for your sponsor. Because when the project ends, (laughs) and more people are interested to have it. So if Wiggly Wigglers... And more than weekly weeklies, if you can find others who are not even weekly weeklies yeah. to assist us, that would be great. Thank you very much. Okay. Thanks, Rach. Phew. Glad I didn't have to do that interview. That was uh, really quite some woman, wasn't it? <laughs> I like the way you kept going, oh, trying to butt in, but no. Anyway, a Farmer Phil is back in the kitchen with a cup of tea discussing the latest Wiggly catalogue. The Wiggly catalogue has been printed in the night on the same press that prints Vogue. Well, of course, given that a, a certain member of us is featuring in the Wiggly catalogue this time as a model. <laughs> yes, this, this, hardly uh, a this could, be, this could be quite appropriate. Yes, for those of you that have yet to get your catalogue, which is all of you, we've got one on screen. And Farmer Phil features in his jeans, by by jeans, but Farmer Phil is launching his beef. And so you'll be able to order beef from Farmer Phil... He will, here we are, here we are, there he is, there he is. Where did he go? You scrolled straight through him, how could you? Outrageous. There we go. Here we are, best rump. Uh, If you want the same jeans as Farmer Phil, you need Ramblers. Uh, 17 inch bottom regular fit. Um, But if you go to buyjeans.net or buyjeans.co.uk and use the discount code WIG001, Luke will give you a discount. And if you're wondering who Luke is, go back to an earlier podcast and listen to him trying to plant his veggie patch and you will find out <laughs> who Luke is. Hope you're okay today, Luke, because Hereford City is shut. We've just had news in that Hereford High Town is shut because the card shop has gone up in flames. And we happen to know that that is opposite to Luke's shop, so hope all's well, and it's right by the old house. So uh, there's six fire engines there. They've evacuated High Town. It's never happened before. As long as nobody's got hurt, I've no doubt Lukey boy will be having a bit of a warm in front of it anyway. Bacon butt is all round. Anyway, Farm Phil, what is your favourite product in the catalogue? It's always good to have a plug in these things. Well, it is, and, and you know, apart from, obviously, my beef, which would be my favourite product... Well, we'll talk about that another day. That is a bit different. I suppose my other favourite product, because I, some of the frugal fishborns traits have sadly rubbed off on me, is that I really rather like the idea of the free fat-filled coconut shells for the blue tits, because... As the saying has, it has been heard in Herefordshire that Farmer Phil is very worried about your tits. <laughs> and so he is thinking that a freebie particularly fits what he likes. And also if it benefits your tits, because they, are, according to the BTO, are suffering and fat is good for them. Fat is really good for them when it gets cold like this. And it's free. So if you buy some seed for the other birds, you can have some free coconuts. Do you know, I used to despair at Ricardo because he always used to pick something like, you know, oh, the giveaway or something like... Oh, what he really liked was the fact that we used his mower on the picture or something, you know, when I'm trying to sell the stuff. But now you, Farmer Phil, have picked the only free thing in the catalogue to promote... 
sighs gently. I think it's time to listen to that very, very good wiggly advert, which is going out on Sunshine all the time. You've had a bit of feedback, haven't you? On- I've had quite a lot of feedback. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, it would seem that the uh, majority of tractor drivers listen to Radio Sunshine, hmm. so that now my fame amongst the tractor driving public of Herefordshire has uh, been enhanced considerably. Mercifully, they are not worried that I'm worried about their tits. Mm. The coconuts are particularly good for blue tits because the thing is, other huge birds find dangly coconuts more difficult to negotiate. So there we are. If you go to Facebook, you'll see uh, that the latest discussion is about flowers that attract bees. Because Rachel Harris has put up an article from the BBC that says bumblebees prefer stripes and red flowers. So gardeners are being encouraged to grow stripy flowers to encourage bumblebee populations after research showed that the insects are most attracted to them. And so Gail Rudd says what striped native flowers would be good to plant? So they're talking about snapdragons and things like that, which bees do genuinely love. But the most important thing is that they have food throughout the year. So don't worry too much about this latest research. The thing is, they love scabious marjoram. They adore. The most important thing is to plant things that last throughout the season. And that means your bees have always got a ready meal. So, you know, don't worry about it. I thought about snakes head fertilities because they're quite stripy. But I really don't think the importance is in whether they're attracted to the plant. The importance is... Can they get sustenance from the plant? And you must go and see my goat jumper photo. If you've not seen it yet, go to Facebook or Twitter and you'll see a link there for goat jumpers. Uh, Now, is it a nice, um, good-looking woman wearing a jumper made of mohair? No, it's a goat wearing a jumper. There we are. I hope you have a lovely week from all of us at Wiggly Wigglers. Tune in next week. We'll be pleased to hear from you. Email us, heather at wigglywigglers.co.uk. Farmer Phil is pwg at lowerblakemere.co.uk. Or you can get hold of Rach, R-A-C-H, at wigglywigglers.co.uk. Bye from me. And the answer to what do you call a cow with only two right legs is lean beef.